Hey, this is the Ubermensch, Dave in Kentucky. Well, I wish I had better news. You may remember I was very hopeful last time, last episode, after um, Laverne got out of the hospital and she was eating and everything. Unfortunately, that didn't last. Um, and she passed away. Tuesday at the age of uh, 16 and a half. Now, back in 2007, after my wife Lisa and I had both taken early retirement, she started looking for a couple of cats online. We'd had two cats before, Pooter and Whiskers, but they had both passed away. And she found a picture of these two kittens. They were sisters, and they were, according to the website she found them on, they were survivors of a litter um, that was found under a porch after their mother got killed. This was on the um, Jessamine County Humane Society website. Jessamine County's where Nicholasville is. They were little gray and white fur babies, (laughs) and they were... uh, hugged up together with their arms and legs wrapped around each other. Well, I don't guess they have arms. With their legs wrapped around each other. And they were clinging to each other for dear life. And, you know, for us, for me and Lisa, it was love at first sight. Um, You know, I was as excited about her finding them as, as she was. Um. Now the animal shelter had names for them. They 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 were just uh, uh, kind of old fashioned sounding women's names. <laughs> you know they were both female cats. I can't remember what the names were. I wish I could. You know it'd be interesting to look back on. But anyway, we decided to drive over to Nicholasville and take a look at them. Uh, and I've, as I've mentioned before, it's kind of hard to get to Nicholasville from here. I don't know. The Humane Society might not be right in Nicholasville. I can't remember exactly where it was. Um, if you're going to Nicholasville, though, you either have to go to Lexington and come back toward Nicholasville, you know, toward this way, or you need to travel a bunch of back roads. And as I recall, we chose the back road route. And when we got there... You know, it was love at first sight again. But they they fell in love with us at first sight, you know, this time. Shirley hit it off with Lisa right away. And uh, Laverne uh, climbed up the front of my hoodie and went around behind my neck and got in the hood and lay there like it was a hammock. <laughs> she She was ready for me to take her home. But, you know, they wouldn't let us at that point. We had to fill out these applications and have them approved before we could take them. We had to sign something that said we'd have them spayed and immunized within a certain period if we got them. I can't remember how long we had to wait. I think they wanted to make sure they were old enough to at least eat kitten food so we wouldn't have to be bottle feeding them. Um... When we finally did get to take them home, everybody was real excited. You know, we were, and the cats were. They slept with us, 
in the bed that first night, and uh, we didn't sleep real well because we, you know, we were afraid we'd roll over on them and smother them. And it took a while to get over that fear, you know. Uh, but that night we did finally go to sleep, and when I woke up, I was feeling around for them, make sure we hadn't squashed them, and and uh, well, I put my hand in something wet and gooey. <laughs> it wasn't a cat though; it was cat throw up. One of them, one of maybe both of them had thrown up. You know, uh, too much excitement, I guess. Well, since they were so young, it wasn't any problem changing their names. And initially, we talked about calling them Lucy and Ethel, but. The, but then we decided we ought to uh, update it a little bit so we didn't seem so old, and we called them Laverne and Shirley instead, but that seems just as old anymore. Uh, we got them vaccinated, got them spayed, and the vet, we had a different vet at that time, but he estimated that uh, they had been born about the middle of February. So we made February the 14th their official birthday um, you know, it was Valentine's Day, you know, and we fell in love with them. They fell in love with us. And, you know, uh, it's also Jack Benny's birthday. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with anything, except that I like old-time radio. Well, I was still playing in a band at that time, and uh, we would have band practice at our house quite a bit. And uh, when we did that, uh, Lisa would shut herself up in the back bedroom with Laverne and Shirley. I'm sure it terrorized them, you know, at first. It was really loud, even, you know, there, I mean, there was no soundproofing in this house or anything. And we were a loud band. We had to be a loud band because we had a loud drummer. <laughs> After a while... They got used to it, you know, it didn't didn't terrorize them quite as bad. Um, and the band didn't really last all that much longer anyway, because it wasn't long after that that my mom got sick. and She had to be first in a hospital and, and then in a nursing home, you know. Um, that turned out to be more long-term. So I, I spent a lot of time down in southeastern Kentucky, you know, visiting with her, and trying to help take care of her. My sister and I would alternate, you know. She would go down for a few days and come back and as I was going down there. Mom didn't like to be by herself. And, uh, you know, when I was down there uh, visiting with her, I would show her videos of Laverne and Shirley. And she had this uh, TV in her room that had a a slot for a, for a diskette, you know, and so you could you could uh, put movies on a diskette and and play them on her TV. So I I I would bring her movies to watch uh, of of the cats, you know, to show her how they were doing and so on. And she said, "I believe Shirley is Lisa's cat." and Laverne is your cat. So she could tell that Laverne was my favorite. And, and Lisa had always said we shouldn't have favorites, but, you know, you, you don't have any choice about things like that. <laughs> yeah. Now, 
later on, mom would say, um, I believe you love that cat more than you love me. She seemed kind of peeved about it. And I didn't really know how to respond, so I didn't argue with her or anything. I guess that peeved her any, even more. Well, she ended up having a fall in the nursing home, and that uh, caused her to have to go back to the hospital. Well, she went to a different hospital at first. And, and at that hospital, she developed bed, bed sores, and my... My sister got her moved back to the original hospital, but um, that's where she died. And my sister and I were holding both of her hands, one of us on either side of the bed. You know, I had one hand, she had the other one. When she passed, I felt like I was being drawn up toward the sky, like there was a tractor beam or something that was pulling, pulling on her, you know, and it was, wasn't quite strong enough to lift me up along with her, but it was like making my back bow, you know. It was weird, strange little um, paranormal experience, I guess. Well, a year or two later, I was uh, out in the driveway when these, I forget what I was doing, I was out there probably doing something with my new car. I had my um, 2007 well, I guess it was a fairly new car anyway, 2007 Honda Element that I really liked. Um, and these two little girls came by while I was out there, and each of them was carrying a kitten. The bigger girl had a, 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 a little orange tabby, and, um, and the little girl had an even smaller uh, black and orange tortoiseshell cat, you know. And uh, they were telling me, that their mother had got killed on the road and they were trying to find somebody who'd take them. And take. A lot of that was going around, apparently. <sighs> they said nobody else on the street would take them and if I didn't, they'd probably just die, you know. So, uh, little, little manipulative, manipulators. So I ended up taking the kittens. And <laughs> the little girl, the littlest girl didn't want to give up the little kitten, the littlest kitten. But I told them, you know, it would be better to keep the siblings together. So they handed over both of them. And uh, once again, I wasn't sure if they were old enough to eat kitten food or not, but it turned out they were. So <laughs> uh, again, no bottle feeding, which is fortunate. You know, the big orange cat, well, he grew into a big orange cat, um, he was the bigger orange kitten. He became Lenny. And the little dark one became Squiggy because, you know, they kind of they kind of looked like that. And on the show, uh, Lenny and Squiggy moved in next door to Laverne and Shirley. And they did that here, too. In this case, next door was in the garage to start with. And then sometimes we'd take them into the bathroom and let them play in there, put them in the shower stall and put ping pong balls in there with them and they'd knock those around from end to end and carry on. And um, and then I, I I bought a big dog kennel type cage, you know, that was it was uh it you know, was a good size for a dog, but it was a giant size for two little kittens. It was big enough to keep a small litter box at one end and 
put their food and water bowls at the other end. And, and then, you know, I could have them in the house where Laverne and Shirley could see them, but couldn't get to them and hurt them, you know, because I was afraid they would be jealous that we were bringing two more cats in. And they did kind of growl at them a little bit, as I recall. But they got used to them finally. And then, you know, we uh, started letting the little ones out, letting them uh, be together, you know, uh, under a watchful eye. Uh, Laverne ruled the roost, though, uh, even after Lenny got to be bigger than she was. Now, later on, we would have six cats at one time, three males and three females, but Laverne, uh, during that period, was always the dominant one, even though the males, um, uh, Bob and especially Lenny and Mr. Bean, were much bigger than she was. Bob, not, not so much bigger, but Lenny and Mr. Bean were huge compared to her. Now, these two extra males, uh, Bob and Mr. Bean, they came from my son, who uh, passed away a few years later um, when he was living in the house where my mom had lived. So, well, even though Lenny and Bean especially were way bigger than she was, she was still the boss. She was still the enforcer. The dominant female, as I called her then. Today I'd call her the Uberkat, or in German, die Uberkatze. Now, at some point, Laverne developed this two note meow that sounded sometimes like she was saying, uh oh, and sometimes like she was saying, uh uh. <laughs> I guess it depended on the context, probably. You know, we anthropomorphize these things, I'm, I'm sure. I had some recordings of this at one time, but I, I'm i not sure uh, what happened to them. Maybe I'll run across them someday. Now, as she got older, the, the two-note thing kind of went away, and her meow turned into kind of a one-note squeak, and that's what it was like, you know, toward the end. Now, when Lisa passed away a couple of years ago, Laverne wasn't affected nearly as much as Shirley was. For weeks after she died, uh, Shirley would go and stand at the garage door and meow, and I'd have to let her out there to confirm that her mama wasn't out there at her workbench. You know, that was where she did most of her crafting when she was alive, out in the garage at her workbench. And uh, once Shirley was convinced she wasn't there, she'd come back in. But, you know, she was upset for a long time. Now, at some point, Laverne and Shirley were both diagnosed with hyperthyroidism. Um, and they were treated with this uh, methamazole, which is comes in a pen and, you know, dispenses a dose that you rub inside their ear flap. And this irritated Shirley so much that she shook her head so hard she gave herself a cauliflower ear, and she still has that to this day. Wasn't much they could do. I mean, they they could they told me they could do some cosmetic things, but it wouldn't really help her situation any. So I didn't have anything done. I said, well, she's not a movie star anyway. 
This um, hyperthyroidism, though, probably contributed to Laverne's kidney problems that she developed later and, and that finally became critical about a month ago. Um, it was on a Saturday night. I found her on the counter where the cat fountain sat and still sits now. I moved it down to the floor for a while, but she was sprawled out on the counter in an unnatural way, and I got to watching her, and she uh, she would intermittently stand up and get more water from the fountain, and she would do this very frequently. And when she got some water, she'd flop down on the counter again, and she'd lie there like she was exhausted until, you know, she finally needed to get up and get another drink. Uh, I, I don't know. I think she might have been afraid that if she tried to get down from the counter, she'd fall, even though there was a chair sitting right there to use, you know, for her to step down on and then step to the floor. And as I said, it was a Saturday night. It was after dark. Um, and our vet's office, our regular vet's office, wasn't open till Monday morning. Um, I found this... Uh, Actually, I found a note that Lisa had made uh, of that was stuck up inside a cabinet door about this that had um, address and a phone number for this emergency pet hospital in Louisville, east side of Louisville, you know, so it's not real far away from us. I called them and told them what was going on, and they said if I brought her in, they'd take a look at her. So I did, put her in a carrier, strapped the carrier into the passenger seat, and took off. Now, I don't like to drive in the dark, uh, and to make it worse, it started to rain. Well, I, um, I prayed for it to stop, and it did. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> uh, which, that may have been a coincidence, but anyway... I got her there, and they asked me a bunch of questions about what she'd been doing and what she was being treated for and what she was being treated with, and then they took her back to be examined. And um, after a while, you know, they came out and told me that, you know, she had kidney problems. Her kidneys were failing. If they admitted her, they might be able to help her. Um but I might just spend a bunch of money and then she would die anyway. Well, I handed them my credit card. She ended up spending a week there. And they this is the type of the play type of place where, you know, they have people there around the clock. So she had twenty four hour care and she ran up a six thousand dollar bill. But, you know, I don't care. I, I drove over there every day to visit her, except for the one day that they gave her a transfusion, which was just a couple of days before they released her. And, it, it, you know, that transfusion, you know, took a long time. It took till later in the day than I wanted to head over there. So I didn't go that one day, but I went to visit her every other day. And she was always glad to see me. And she seemed like she was doing pretty well. And she would eat for me. You know, they they would bring me different kinds of food. And I would like offer it to her either, either on my finger or on a little um, stick, you know, like a tongue depressor type thing or something. And um, and she would eat some. 
you know, she didn't eat a great deal, but she would eat enough to, to show that she had uh, some interest in food. And I told them I didn't. They, has, they said something about they could give her a feeding tube. And I said, I don't want to do that. That's just be an atrocity to do that to that cat, to put a feeding tube in her. And plus, Lenny wouldn't leave. I'm sure he wouldn't have left it alone. He'd been after it, you know, trying to lick on it, tug it out or something. I don't know. Well, they, they so they didn't put a feeding tube in her. They sent her home with four medications after a week. There was a, out of, what, a phosphate binder. There was an antibiotic, which, uh, uh, you know, and they gave her to that, uh, gave her that for 10 days. There was something else. And then there was this injection that she got three times a week. And I started out giving her the injection myself, but she, uh, uh, didn't like me doing that. I think maybe I got it a little too cold. I didn't let it warm up enough for one time, and she, um, you know, squirmed away from me, and I didn't feel right doing it again. They, the vet told me if I'd bring her in, you know, when she was due her in injection, then uh, they could have one of the techs give it to her, no charge. So that's what I ended up doing most of the time. And other than that, I, I stayed home with her pretty much all the time for a solid week. Well, except when I had to, you know, grab something from the store real quick or something. Um, but because she was eating and getting around pretty well, after that first week, I started occasionally going to the gym in the morning, occasionally going you know, and driving Uber a few hours at a time, you know, no more than a half a day at a time. And I thought she was doing pretty well. When I took her in for blood work, her numbers weren't all that bad. But after about three weeks, she got to where she wouldn't eat and where she had trouble standing up. And if she was standing up, she had trouble walking. She'd just kind of wobble from side to side and sometimes she'd fall down. We did have one last good snuggle the morning after her uh, last night here at home. She lay in the crook of my arm like she always did. Uh, I, I went and got her. Every morning I'd go and, you know, when I first woke up, I'd go and check on her and see if she ate anything overnight. When she did eat, you know, it was usually at night. Um, but, you know, she hadn't, hadn't eaten anything again for after the second night in a row. I, I had an open can of food in the refrigerator. I set it out in the microwave, you know, just in the microwave to keep it away from cats, not to heat it or anything. And, uh, and then I went and got her and took her to bed with me, you know, and we had our last little snuggle. Well, last until we'll find out. Well, after a while, I got up. We got up. She wanted to get up, and I got up with her. I, I, her food had warmed up by then. I set it down to her in the room where she had been sleeping, where the you know, where the other cats couldn't get to it. And I, 
I lay back down for a little while, but uh, when I got back up, I found that not only had she not eaten anything, she'd turned her water bowl over and she was just lying in a big puddle of water on the floor. Evidently, she wasn't strong enough to stand up and get out of the water, so I picked her up and tried to dry her off, had a towel there and tried to dry her off with it. When the vet's office opened, this, of course, this had happened on the weekend, as always. She would get sick on the weekend when, when the vet's office wasn't open. So she had been 48 hours without, without eating, you know. And when, when they uh, opened, I called her and got an appointment for later in the morning. And when I took her in, the vet said she was really de dehydrated, which I don't know how she could have been as much as she'd been drinking. But she said she was really dehydrated. If I wanted to leave her overnight, they could give her IV fluids and um, maybe try a different appetite stimulant on her because, you know, because we're not eating for 48 hours. But we had hopes she'd come out of it, but it didn't happen. The vet called me the next morning and, and told me she thought it might be Laverne's time. And... Uh, could I come in and visit her and see how I thought she was doing, and then we'd talk about it. And they, when I got there, they put me in a room, you know, and then brought her to me, wrapped in a towel. And she'd evidently been lying on this towel when they, uh, when they shaved her leg to put the IV in, you know. Evidently, the, the leg that had it in before, they couldn't get it to work and the the fur from where they'd shaved this other leg was still there wrapped up in the towel with her um, and I got it and I wrapped it up in a Kleenex and stuck it in my billfold. Now, unfortunately <laughs> there was only one Kleenex in the box and uh, it wasn't long before I needed more. I held her for a while and then I Tried to get her to stand up on the exam table, but you know she didn't need. She didn't seem to be strong enough. After a while, vet came in, <laughs> brought me another box of Kleenex. I asked her about whether Laverne was going to get strong enough to stand up and walk normally again, and she said she didn't think so. Uh, and uh, I thought about what it would be like for her to be this flopping around in the floor, not able to get up and do anything. She'd just be miserable. Be miserable for her and for me. I'd already been having to help her to stand up at the water fountain until she could prop herself up on the corner of it to where she wouldn't just slide down to the floor. And I'd, I, you know, I'd set this fountain down in the floor so she wouldn't be falling, trying to get up and down off the counter. The vet, you know, said she thought it was the right decision. I asked them about cremation, and they said they had somebody that they used to do that, and they brought me a little catalog that had uh, um, the various urns and boxes and things you could get, and I picked out a little um, 
cherry wood box for, well, I don't know if it was really cherry wood. It was cherry colored wood. And it had a uh, place for a picture. And I knew the picture I wanted to use. And I knew what orientation it was in. So I knew that, you know, the box had to stand up taller than it than it was wide because of, uh, you know, it was portrait format rather than landscape. And uh, they said it would be the smallest size box because she was such a small cat. She was down to 4.8 pounds. Well, she was healthy. You know, she weighed more than twice that, usually in double digits, you know, 11 pounds or so. And... <laughs> I knew, like I said, I knew what picture I wanted to put in the box. The one where she, it looks like she's talking into my Elvis microphone. I, I made that when she was pretty young. You know, she was, you know, just a year or two old, I think. I'll, I'll have to reduce it down to make it fit in the slot on that little box. But that should be easy since it's a digital picture. It's a JPEG. I had to sign some papers, then they left me alone with her while they went to get the syringe with the lethal injection. This, this was a new experience for me because Lisa had always taken care of these things before, you know, with uh, pooter and wh um, whiskers. I was even gone when, when whiskers had to be um, put to sleep, and then later with Bob. She did that too. Um, well, the vets already had the IV in Laverne from where they'd been giving her the fluids. So, you know, it, as it worked out, they wouldn't even need to stick her with a needle. And uh, while they went to get everything ready, I, I, I knelt down beside the examination table and put my arms around her. She rubbed her face against my face, and I rubbed under her chin with my finger the way she liked me to do. And she kind of lifted her head up like she liked it. And I was still there on my knees when they came back with the syringe. And the vet said something like, Hi, baby. Your daddy won't even have to move. So I just stayed right there on my knees with my arms around her. I asked them if it would sting. And they assured me that it wouldn't. Because in effect they were just going to give her an overdose of, of anesthetic. So, you know, she shouldn't feel a thing. And she did flinch a little bit when it went in. But I guess it's just from the temperature. It was room temperature instead of body temperature. I stayed right there on my knees with my arms around her till it was over. Didn't take long. The vet checked her with the stethoscope and said she was gone. I said, are you sure? Because she had her eyes open and it looked like she was looking right at me. <sighs> yeah, she was sure. She said I could hold her for a while if I wanted to. And I said, no, she's gone. If she's really gone, I don't want to hold her. When I got home, I took her fur out of the Kleenex and put it in a baggie. 
Then I put that baggie in another baggie that had a lock of uh, Lisa's hair in it that had been in the drawer in there since, you know, before she passed. Now, if, if there's enough DNA in human hair and cat fur, I don't know if there is or not, maybe they can both be uh, regenerated at some point in the future if anybody cares enough to do it um, and has the money to do it. By the way, four days after Laverne passed was the second anniversary of Lisa's passing. I think a lot about how Laverne used to get in the crook of my arm at night, right up in my armpit. And if I t tried to turn over on my side, she'd take her head and push on my head until I reassumed the position. You know, she would arrange me the way she wanted me to be. She wanted me lying on my back. Well, since she's been gone, I've been sleeping on my side. And wouldn't you know it, I've, I've uh, developed a, a sore, stiff neck. So, I don't know, maybe she knew something. Maybe I need to start sleeping on my back again.